PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by BioX Systems. BioX Systems produces Exercise Pro Software, the ultimate solution for patient education and home programs, and Fitness Maker Software, helping clinics manage wellness programs. Both are affordable, comprehensive, and easy to use. Visit www.bioxsystems.com. Welcome to PTJ's The Bottom Line for January 2010. I'm Donovan Stutel, along with Dave Pervoisier. Bottom Lines translate the findings of selected research articles for clinical practice. Bottom Lines are not intended to substitute for a critical reading of the original articles. The Bottom Lines for the January 2010 issue of PTJ were written by Dr. Eric K. Robertson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. Our first bottom line summarizes, Exposure to low amounts of ultrasound energy does not improve soft tissue shoulder pathology. A systematic review. By Lisa Alexander, David Gilman, Derek Brown, Janet Brown, and Dr. Pamela Houghton. First, what problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? The researchers set out to systematically review available literature to determine whether therapeutic ultrasound was effective for soft tissue shoulder disorders. Ultrasound is commonly used to treat shoulder dysfunction, but there is conflicting evidence about its effectiveness. Who participated in this study? The research team identified eight studies to include in this review, and the median physiotherapy evidence database PEDRO score of these studies was 8 out of 10. A total of 586 patients participated in the studies. What new information does this study offer? The review identified three studies in which significant beneficial effects of ultrasound were reported. Two of these studies examined the effects of ultrasound on calcific tendonitis. Overall, the studies that reported beneficial effects delivered much larger doses of ultrasound than those studies that did not. What new information does this study offer for patients? This study looked at the body of literature reporting on the effectiveness of ultrasound treatments for patients with shoulder pain or injury. This study suggests that low dosage levels of ultrasound may not provide a beneficial effect for shoulder pain and that more research is needed. How did the researchers go about this study? The researchers reviewed five electronic databases for articles related to ultrasound intervention for shoulder injuries. 727 studies were retrieved. Randomized controlled trials that utilized ultrasound for soft tissue, shoulder injury, or pain were selected. Inclusion of a study occurred through independent critical review by three reviewers on the research team who assigned each article a PEDRO score. Ultimately, eight studies were identified, but a meta-analysis was not performed due to inconsistent use of outcome measures among the selected studies. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? The findings of this systematic review suggest that when less ultrasound energy, defined as intensity in watts per centimeter squared, by transducer head size, by treatment duration, is delivered, ultrasound will likely not be effective. And that below a threshold of energy, ultrasound has not been shown to be effective. Although the effectiveness of optimal ultrasound treatment protocols has not been sufficiently investigated, 
Clinicians can use this information to help make decisions about their current selection of ultrasound treatment dosages for individuals with soft tissue disorders of the shoulder. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? Limitations of this systematic review included the small sample size of suitable articles, heterogeneity of outcome measures across trials, and differing ultrasound dosages. Future research should focus on determining the optimal ultrasound treatment protocol for patients with soft tissue disorders of the shoulder. Our next bottom line summarizes some factors predict successful short-term outcomes in individuals with shoulder pain receiving cervicothoracic manipulation, a single-arm trial, by Dr. Paul Mintgen, Dr. Joshua Cleland, Dr. Kristen Carpenter, Dr. Melanie Beenick, Dr. Mike Kearns, and Dr. Julie Whitman. What problems did the researchers set out to study, and why? Current evidence suggests that the inclusion of manipulation may be helpful for individuals with shoulder pain. However, limited data exists to help clinicians identify which patients may benefit from the intervention. The researchers set out to identify prognostic factors for individuals with shoulder pain who would be likely to experience improvements in pain and disability following cervical and thoracic manipulation combined with cervical and thoracic mobility exercise. Who participated in this study? 80 adults with a primary complaint of shoulder pain who were seen by physical therapists at one of seven physical therapy clinics served as subjects in this study. Subjects were required to have a shoulder pain and disability index score of 20% or greater and to be free of red flags or signs consistent with nerve root compression and other conditions that would prohibit manipulative treatments. What new information does this study offer? This study identified five prognostic variables that were associated with an increased chance of having a successful outcome following the application of cervicothoracic thrust and non-thrust manipulation for patients with shoulder pain. The variables were pain-free shoulder flexion of less than 127 degrees, shoulder internal rotation of less than 53 degrees, a negative near test, not taking medications of any kind for shoulder pain, and duration of symptoms for less than 90 days. When these variables were present, the chance of a successful outcome improved from 61% to 89%. What new information does this study offer for patients? This study identified patient-specific factors that were associated with a successful outcome when individuals with shoulder pain received manipulative therapy and mobility exercise to the neck and thoracic spine. Patients may benefit from this information, although the approach needs to be examined using randomized trial designs. How did the researchers go about this study? Participants in this study underwent a standardized physical examination and then received a series of thrust and non-thrust manipulations directed toward the cervicothoracic spine. The researchers classified patients as having a successful or non-successful outcome based on a score of plus four or better on the global rating of change. Potential prognostic variables were entered into a stepwise logistic regression model to determine the most accurate set of variables for prediction of treatment success. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? The prognostic variables determined in this study allow clinicians to make an a priori identification of individuals with shoulder pain 
who are likely to improve with the application of cervicothoracic thrust and non-thrust manipulation. These variables, along with other clinical factors, may help clinicians to select the most effective interventions for specific patients. What are the limitations of the study, and what further research is needed? The design of this trial prohibits inferences regarding cause and effect. Also, the statistical model used may have resulted in overfitting of the model, resulting in inflated values for sensitivity, specificity, and likelihood ratios. Finally, some important variables may have been omitted from the model. Future research should focus on the use of randomized trial designs to determine whether the interventions examined in this study are effective for patients with shoulder pain. Our final bottom line summarizes early postoperative measures predict one- and two-year outcomes after unilateral total knee arthroplasty. Importance of contralateral limb strength by Dr. Joseph Zenny Jr. and Dr. Lynn Snyder-Mackler. What problems do the researchers set out to study and why? Most people who undergo total knee arthroplasty for end-stage knee osteoarthritis experience functional improvements and reduced pain. However, levels of recovery are variable, and not all individuals experience a successful outcome. The researchers set out to discern whether age, body mass index, pain, knee range of motion, and knee strength measured at initial physical therapist evaluation could predict functional ability at one year and two years after surgery. Who participated in this study? 155 people who underwent unilateral total knee arthroplasty participated in this study. Participants were excluded if they reported maximal knee pain of greater than 4 out of 10 on a verbal pain rating scale in the limb that did not undergo surgery. What new information does this study offer? Participants in the study experienced significant improvement at 1 and 2 years following surgery compared with preoperative status. Weak quadriceps muscle strength of the non-operated limb was related to poorer outcomes. Older age and higher body mass index were also related to poorer outcomes at one and two years. What new information does this study offer for patients? Patients' functional outcomes may be compromised if the quadriceps muscle strength of the non-operated limb is reduced and if their body mass index is high. How did the researchers go about this study? The researchers measured height, weight, quadriceps muscle strength, and knee range of motion and administered the timed up and go test, stair climbing task, and the knee outcome survey questionnaire at the initial outpatient physical therapy appointment and at one and two years after surgery. Hierarchical regression was used to determine which early postoperative measure could predict long-term outcomes. How might the results be applied to physical therapist practice? Although research is needed to test the premise, the study suggests that improved postoperative outcomes may be attained if physical therapists address the strength of the uninvolved limb after total knee arthroplasty in addition to impairments caused by the surgery itself. In addition, patients and therapists should work to reduce body mass index in patients undergoing total knee arthroplasty. 
what are the limitations of the study and what further research is needed? A limitation of the study was that the researchers did not use radiographs to evaluate the presence or progression of knee osteoarthritis in the limb that did not undergo surgery. Also, some of the outcome measures used were not validated in this specific population. Future research should focus on assessment of knee osteoarthritis progression in the uninvolved limb as it relates to predicting long-term outcomes, as well as establishing cutoff values for early postoperative predictor variables. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. We always appreciate your feedback. You can email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825.